With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome aboard, Giants fans, to episode 24 of Talk is Cheap, our New York Giants podcast right here on NJ.com. With me, as always, uh, we have Jordan, we have James, I am Joe, and we are here uh, to do what we do every week, and that's to break down the Giants and to break down the last game, the second game of the season. Uh, and, guys, this one was historic for all the wrong reasons. The Giants now 0-2, and it's almost like they're finding and inventing ways to lose. Jordan, we'll start with you. Uh, just, I guess, an initial reaction yesterday as that unfolded uh, with the Giants blowing a 20-10 lead and ultimately blowing the game to the Atlanta Falcons. Well, I mean, this is just a bad team. That's my initial reaction. They're right there. They're, just, they're not a complete team. They have holes. They fall apart. They can't win games down the stretch. They had two games that were winnable. Uh, let them slip away. And now, if you, I mean, this was a game, in my opinion, they absolutely had to win. They, this was an Atlanta team who's an average team on a short week. Uh, they're coming off a Monday night game. And they're playing on the road where Matt Ryan, their quarterback, is not as good. Their offense is not as good. Everything was set up for the Giants to win. They had it in their grasp, and then they let it slip away. Now they're 0-2, and they have a huge mountain to climb. And I'm not, I, honestly, I don't. I, I, it's hard for me to see that there's enough out there for this team to be able to do it. It feels like that. It feels like at 0-2, even though, and we'll get into it in a little bit, um, things around them have given them, I guess, a little bit of life still. They're not completely dead just because of the way the division is right now. We'll get to that. But, James... Your thoughts yesterday, take, kind of take me through your thoughts as it was unfolding, and we'll get into the what I thought was the turning point of the game with the Giants up 20-10 to 10 and uh, trying to go for a touchdown, Eli fumbles. But as it all unfolded there, what were you thinking about this football team and the way that game went, James? When they're up 20-10, to 10, and as you said, they're, they're driving in, I'm sitting there thinking, you know, they, they circled the wagons. that They moved on to Atlanta. They did what they said they wanted to do. And they're going to get this big win, and they're going to be at even water. And then Eli fumbles the ball at the eight. And from there, I just had a feeling that, especially after Matt Ryan takes him down on a 91-yard touchdown drive, that they were going to find a way to blow it again. And they did. And I think Jordan's right. They're just not a very good football team. And they just don't have the ability to slam the door shut. Now, who's to blame for this? I mean, that seems to always feel like the question after a loss like this. And now this is, I mean, this is two games in a row. This is the first time in NFL history a team has blown double-digit leads in the fourth quarter and lost both games in NFL history. It's an amazing historical perspective on this Giants team to start this season. They really snatched defeat from the hands of victory two weeks in a row to start a year. 
I mean, the first game, we knew it was that sequence at the end, and it really kind of all fell on Eli Manning after the dust settled last week. But as far as this loss to the Falcons, I mean, where does the blame go? Is this just a team effort? Is this coaching? Is it a lack of talent that just catches up to them over 60 minutes? Jordan, where do you go with blame here for this game? Obviously, there's a lot of ways to go here. I mean, there was a lot of things that went wrong. The defense didn't make the stop at the end. Uh, they committed ridiculous delay of game as they're trying to run out the clock with three and change left. They could have, they could have, you know, a couple first downs there and the game's over. They take a ridiculous delay of game. Eli then checks out of the next play on third and 12 and throws a slip screen pass. That was an absolute disaster. Uh, they get the ball back with what one and change and two timeouts left. Plenty of time. I think it was one fifteen and two timeouts. Plenty of time to do something. They have some opportunities. Eli throws one out of bounds. There's a couple. The, the throw to Larry Donnell wasn't very good. He could still could have caught it. I mean, the, Odell Beckham dropped one in the first play. Uh, the, the line broke down on another play. Just There's a lot of blame to go around, right? But there's a quarterback who's getting paid $100 million over these next five years, and this is the guy they're counting on to be their best player. I mean, they're certainly paying him as their best player. They need him to make these plays at the end. There was a lot of things that Eli Manning could have done there to help this team get a victory. And you know what? He came up short. The worst was really that fumble in late in the third quarter when they had a chance to put the game away. It's not like he was pressured right away. He had four seconds before he got hit. There was a wide-open receiver. I posted that this morning. Uh, Preston Parker standing in the middle of the end zone with his hands in the air. Eli just didn't see him. It was right in front of his face. So, And, and then the delay of game is just inexplicable. The fact that the coach and the quarterback there, neither of them called timeout before they picked up the penalty there in that key spot, with all three timeouts in their pockets, just completely inexplicable. And so for me, I'm going to start with Eli Manning in the blame game, move on to Tom Coughlin. These are supposed to be the givens on this team. Look, we know the defense isn't great. They allow everyone to run up and down the field. We know they have struggles on defense. Uh, you know, The fact that they put the game in the defense's hands was is just – not good enough. The Giants need to put the game away with their offense, which is supposed to be their better unit, and with their $20 million a year quarterback or whatever he is, $100 million, let's call him a $100 million quarterback. So uh, he didn't get it done, and then the now for the second straight week he didn't get it done, and now the Giants are 0-2. Yeah, we can call him a twice $100 million quarterback. When you look at both of his big long-term contracts he signed. Twice um, $100 million quarterback should not be making these mistakes. That, that's the bottom line. That's the scary part here. It is, and the Giants, I mean, for the way they're set up, and you illustrated it perfectly, Jordan, they need him to be at the top of his game all the time. In the first couple games, although I think if you just looked at the raw numbers, you say, that's not bad. He hasn't thrown a pick either game, and the, you know all the numbers there, they're not, they're not awful for Eli, certainly the first couple games, but he hasn't done enough late in these games, and he's had gaffes late in games. No, not bad. Really hurt not, them. not bad is just not good enough, though. I mean, that's the bottom line. You use the word not, the phrase not bad to describe him. I mean, that's just not good enough. You need him to be really good. You need him to be borderline great. This team has a lot of holes. They do, and they're relying on him to be their anchor, and like you said, to be close to great or great, and he hasn't been that through 60 minutes in either game. James, when you look at the blame for the debacle against the Falcons, and you add it all together yesterday afternoon. We're doing this podcast on a Monday. Mm-hmm. Sunday at Giant Stadium, where did the blame lie for you? Is it on Eli Manning? I, I think a lot of it is. I mean, look, we understand the defense is not a very strong unit, but at the same time, 
This is two weeks in a row now that the offense has basically hung them out to dry and put them on the field against a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback having to stop a team that they're really not capable of stopping. Um, I, I agree with Jordan. E Eli's got to be better. It, oh, it's, I never would have thought that you'd be sitting here. It's the first time in his career he hasn't thrown an interception through the first two games of the season. But yet, it's just, it's just not happening. Um, the fumble was bad. You know, the, the delay of game was even worse. And they, get, they threw the ball to Odell Beckham Jr. He had two targets in the second half. He had 10 in the first half. And after the game, no one really seemed to have any explanation that was good for why all of a sudden Odell Beckham Jr. just kind of fell out of the game plan, it seemed. No, they didn't. And, you know, to yeah, me... Yeah, they said, they said that nothing changed in the game plan for the Falcons. They were still playing him. They weren't having him shadowed. They didn't, th you know, put the safety over the top constantly. So, really, wh why? Why didn't Odell Beckham get more passes? They threw the ball to Larry Donnell. They targeted him five times in the second half. They targeted Preston Parker four times. And they targeted Odell twice. Something's probably not right there. That's no, not going to get it done. Not, not right. with this team, at least. Not with this team. That's, that's not the way this team needs to work. Operate. No, it can't. And right now, to me, you, we mentioned Eli. We talked about that. Jordan, you also mentioned coaching as a part of this too. And you know, I, you guys were at the game. Not sure if you've gone back. I know you guys always go back and kind of rewatch the game and probably use uh, NFL Game Rewind. You probably can hear the broadcast of the game. But it was John Lynch. It was Kevin Burkhardt on the call for Fox. And I think I counted four or five times where John Lynch, basically in so many words, said the Giants were just not prepared or well coached enough or just inexcusable instances, whether it be a delay a game, like on the third and seven that led to a third and 12. Off a timeout. Off a timeout. Off a timeout, right. I mean, this is a team. And look, we all, there's no debating Tom Coughlin has had a tremendous coaching career. But right now, are the Giants well coached from top to bottom? It all falls on Tom, obviously. But offensively, defensively, especially, are the Giants well coached, Jordan? I don't know how you can say that, after, especially after what happened in week one. What they did with the... The, the idea that, you know, Eli Manning can go over to the sideline after a timeout and the coaches don't tell him, hey, we're going to throw a pass here, either complete it, you know, wide open or fall to the ground. The fact that that doesn't get relayed to him, that's just a purely indicative of a team that's not well coached. I mean, that's what the coaches do. I mean, that, that's what happens when you go to the sideline. You go over scenarios. You go over plays. You say, let's do this, this, and this. You remind guys. You pound it into their heads. Uh, I mean, that's just a that's a coaching 101. So to see that that didn't happen, to see that Tom Coughlin didn't call a timeout when the play – they have three timeouts. Tom Coughlin could call a timeout when the play clock got down to one. Why risk it? That's a big play, third and seven there. You're two first downs away from the game being over, completely over. Uh, so the fact that they didn't take a timeout there on Eli, it's bad. On Tom Coughlin is bad. Even you know the whole sideline. I mean the whole coaching staff. Like you got to make sure to get the time out there. So yes, poorly coached. Uh, you know, maybe they did. They they put together good game plans, but in game coaching was not good. You know, Joe. The you know Jordan said they don't use the timeout. We had a week ago where they seemingly having a ten point lead wasn't good enough. You know it, they it, they want to run the clock down. It's almost like the offense is playing to not put the defense into a bad spot. You know, it, it was almost like, well, we might need that timeout because the Falcons might go right back down the field on us or something. And, and they just don't seem to be attacking. And, you know, Ben McAdoo said earlier, I'm an aggressive play caller. They don't really seem to have that aggression at the end. 
I think it's even more just pure incompetence. I mean, it just yeah. slipped them. Like, they just didn't notice. I, you know, they weren't paying attention close enough, or they didn't react quick enough that they, they, they get the timeout, which is even more inexplicable or you inexcusable. Know, and, and another instance is when they went for the for, uh, fourth down in the, in the first half, you know, they take a they took a little bit more time than I thought they should have. You know, I would assume that if it's third and seven, you're probably thinking one down ahead, and you know you're going to go for it if you get into a fourth and manageable. And they take that illegal motion penalty on Dwayne Harris when they got a first down. You know, who knows what would have happened if they don't kick a field goal there? They may have scored a touchdown. Yeah, or even then, if you're going to go for it, you can't wait 15 seconds to make a decision and then have guys run on the field. You have three timeouts at that point. Your first half timeouts, or you, you can yeah. use those first half timeouts for something. If you're going to go for it, get in the right play, get in the right formation, don't have guys running on the field, and get organized. And make sure you run it correctly, and if you have a play you think is going to work, you do it and you yeah. go. I mean, that's a situation where you have to have thought ahead a couple of downs and have already decided what we're going to do if the issue presents itself. I think yeah. that one is kind of tough because you're looking at it and, you know, they didn't know they were going to be in fourth and two or fourth and one or whatever it was, fourth and one and a half. You know, it, it's hard to predict that, okay, fourth and seven, we're going to be, I mean, third and seven, we're going to be in fourth and two on the next play. I'll give them a little benefit of the doubt on that. That's a, that's a, you, have, you need a couple of seconds to adjust and make that decision. So, guys, not this 15, is. Though, not 15 seconds. Though. No, yeah. not 15. That, that seems to be a little too much. So, this is now the third consecutive year the Giants have started 0 2. Last year, 2000. 14, they rallied, they actually won three in a row, and then the wheels started coming off after that. Two years ago, they started off 0-6, so it snowballed on them. When you look at this team, you can take the schedule into account, who they have coming up, just the makeup of the team, injuries, all together. In your mind right now, we'll start with Jordan and then go to James, is this more last year's team that can get it together after a difficult start, or is this more like a couple years ago when you had a team that was bad and they they let it snowball to where the season, you know, in the middle of October was clearly just, you know, over by that point. Well, they play the Redskins, okay? I know the Redskins won. They won at home. This is a game on the road for the Redskins. Uh, their quarterback play is not that, not that good. They're without Deshaun Jackson. Uh, this is they're, – they're pretty – they're not a good team. So – I think this is kind of set up for the Giants to actually win this game. Uh, their schedule, looking ahead, not all that daunting. So this shouldn't be the point where they collapse just yet because they have the Bills in Buffalo, which is a tough game next. Then they play uh, you know, the, the 49ers in MetLife. 49ers, not a great team. Then they play the Eagles in Philadelphia, not a great team right now. The Cowboys completely beat up. The Saints, not a very good team. The Bucks, not a very good team. So the schedule is pretty favorable. This isn't like uh, last year when they went through that seven-game stretch where they played really good teams. They got swept in those seven games. These are teams that the Giants are equal, maybe even greater than some of these teams. That's how bad some of the, the competition they're going to be facing is. So I don't think they're, this, is a, this is a spot where the Giants are going to crumble. Uh, maybe later in the season, they, you know, look at the end of the season schedule. You look at it now. The last one, two, three, four, five games are the Jets, Dolphins, Panthers, Vikings, Eagles. I think those are much – or Patriots. Sorry, I forgot the Patriots even before that. So, you know, the last seven weeks, they, they play teams that are, it seem to be – that's going to be the harder stretch of their, their schedule than these seven coming up right now. 
James, how about you here? You know, when we look at this Giants team, is this, and I think we have to also take into account the way they've lost. We'll mm-hmm. find out starting Thursday night how they respond. But uh, Jordan thinks that this, you know, maybe won't snowball. Maybe they can right themselves a little bit here. The schedule plays a big part in that. Your opinion on that is, I mean, is this going to be a snowball here, or can they maybe right this ship after just an amazing 0-2 start? I think it. De- I really think that everything depends on what happens on Thursday night. If they can beat the Redskins, which I think they they everyone's gonna agree they probably should, then I think they have a chance to try to right the ship. But if they lose to Washington and go to 0 and 3, I mean they're gonna be going into a crazy environment in Buffalo. Um, I don't. I didn't think before the season started the Giants could beat the Bills in Buffalo. I, I yeah. certainly don't think they can now. And it, you know if you're looking at 0 and 4. You know, the 49ers, book remains to be seen, but we think it, so far they're playing pretty hard for Tom Sula. And, and I think by the time they get to the Eagles on Monday night, I think the Eagles will have righted their ship. So yeah, well, It's all contingent on this Redskins game. Yeah, that's what it is. This Redskins game, it's, it it's going to get really ugly. I think, we're all, I, I think that's sort of where James is going here. But, but I, I agree with you. The fact of the matter is they've just played Tony Romo and Matt Ryan the past two weeks, and... Now they're going to play Kirk Cousins, Tyrod Taylor, Colin Kaepernick, Sam Bradford, Brandon Whedon, or you know maybe maybe Kyle Orton's been flown in by then for Dallas. Um, you know Drew Brees is going to be a formidable test when they play the Saints, but the Saints are even more of a debacle than the Giants are right now. And then you got a rookie quarterback in Tampa, so yes, they have a chance to right their ship going into that tough second half of the year. But if they lose on Thursday night, all bets are off. I mean, if they're two and seven or even three and six following that stretch, this is a really, really bad team. I mean, let's be honest. Hey, you know, those are those are. I mean, how many of those teams are going to have winning schedule, uh, winning records? Uh, maybe the two they just played, but the the Redskins, Bills, Niners, Eagles, Cowboys, Saints, Bucks. I mean, I, I can't I can't imagine many of them, if any of them, are going to have winning records, except for maybe the Bills by the time that the Giants play them. Yeah, and Jordan, you bringing that up, talking and the teams in there, including the Eagles and Cowboys and the Redskins, uh, that takes us to what the NFC East now looks like after two weeks. I mean, I think coming into the year, we talked about on our preview podcast, the Cowboys won 12 games last year. The Eagles made a lot of changes, but in Chip Kelly's first two years, they won 10 games in each. And it felt like it was Cowboys, Eagles, and then a drop-off to the Giants, and then a drop-off to the Redskins. Well, now we're two weeks into this thing. Tony Romo, despite the Cowboys being 2-0, is going to be out in a pretty long term here with a left clavicle break. The Eagles are just a mess down in Philadelphia. It's not coming together at all. The Redskins, although they have a win, still seem like a bad team, and we have been discussing the Giants here. So does the NFC East, we'll go to James first on this, does the tire fire that is the NFC East right now maybe change the outlook on an 0-2 Giants team compared to if it was what we thought it was going to be? Uh, Maybe a little bit, but at the end of the day, they're 0 and 2. Now, if if the Giants were 1 and 1, then you could say, oh yeah, you know, something. But I still think they're 0 and 2, and you know they're not going to play. They're not going to. The Cowboys won't have Romo, but at the same time, you take that out of the equation. I still think the Eagles are a much better team than the Giants are. Um, they have some injury concerns now, so I think it changes a little bit. And there's it's a reason for the Giants to be optimistic and their fans to be optimistic. But I, I don't think that all of a sudden the Giants are going to make this magical run and win the NFC East. I still think the Cowboys and the Eagles are better. Yeah, well, you know, forget about anyone else in the division. You know what it takes to win a division? A team that can win enough games. How many, how many games? 
<laughs> they got to win games. You know, they, the, the division might be there for the taking, but if there's a team that can't win, it's not there for the taking. Uh, how many games can this team win? Can this team get to nine games? Can this team get to eight games? It's gonna be first of all, it's gonna be an interesting experiment. How important is an offensive line for an NFL team? We're gonna find out. Can the Dallas Cowboys basically win with an offensive line and little else around them? I mean, that's essentially what they're gonna be doing these next couple weeks. Uh, so I'm actually very intrigued to see just how far they can go and how many games they can win and how long they can survive with a really, really good offensive line and the rest of the team pretty much being shaky. So, uh, you know, I, still, let's be honest. I said coming into the season, I thought the Eagles were going to experience some growing pains. You had to – look, I say this over and over all the time. When you make wholesale changes in the NFL, it takes time for things to come together. It always does. That's why it's so hard to build a winner like the way the Eagles did it this offseason – with bringing in so many new pieces and not building your team essentially through the draft. So uh, I expected them to grow through growing pains. Clearly not to this degree. They looked uh, absolutely atrocious from what I saw yesterday. I was trying to write during the game, but every time I picked my head up, I saw a, a defender seven yards in the backfield with DeMarco Murray hitting DeMarco Murray. But still, I think the Eagles are going to be able to win some games the Cowboys are still going to win some games, even though Tony Romo's not there, even though Des Bryant's not there. They already have two in their, you know, under their belt, so that's that's a pretty big uh, cushion already. They're already two games ahead. I mean, that's a two out of sixteen. And there's only fourteen left, so uh, I, I think the Giants have their work cut out for them. And if they want to have any chance, let's be honest, they have to absolutely have to have to have to beat the Washington Redskins. And if they don't. This is going to be an absolute disaster of a season. Yeah, it will. I mean, 0-3, and then they'll have all those days to think about it before going to Buffalo. And as James just said, uh, that's going to be a raucous atmosphere up there with the Bills. Do you think the short week, James, helps here? You kind of have to get past this pretty quickly. I mean, for the Giants to get back to work and prepare for a game Thursday night against the Redskins, you can't wallow in this for you know more than a day or maybe less because they have to get to work. Does that help in this scenario? Rashad Jennings called it the 24-hour rule. There you go. I think it could help, but at the same time, you know, Tom Coughlin said there's not a lot of practicing going on. You know, they just they kind of have to jam a game plan in, and all of a sudden they're back out there. Um, I think it could help, but at the same time, it could hurt. You know, they're not gonna they're not gonna be at a hundred percent physically on Thursday night. Neither will the Redskins, but the Redskins are coming off a big win and they're feeling good about themselves. So remains to be seen. You bring up physically, and obviously it seems like we're not going to see Victor Cruz maybe until week four now, and this thing just gets delayed and delayed. You look at the Giants wide receiving core, guys, and we were just discussing at the beginning of this show how they didn't really target Odell Beckham enough in the second half. And I'm, I'm looking at the numbers right now. Outside of Beckham, Giants wide receivers combined for, I think, 24 total receiving yards. Preston Parker, who obviously, is having his issues right now with drops. Uh, Randall had one catch for five yards. Jeremy Davis, one yeah, catch for snaps, five yards. How many snaps did Randall play? Almost all of them, right? I think, except for maybe a couple of Yeah, he played more snaps than Odell by one, but still, he was on the field for, I believe, 68 snaps. They ran 71 offensive plays. He's the invisible man out there. He's just not making any impact. I mean, right now, with until Cruz comes back, it, it's Beckham and, and no one else. I mean, this receiving core, really, they're non-existent behind Odell Beckham Jr. Jordan, I mean, what, right now, the receivers, just there's nothing there. Yeah, I mean, I, look, 
problem with Ruben Randall is he was probably an average receiver anyway. Then he's got a, he's dealing with his knee tendonitis this summer, and he was never exactly explosive. So any explosiveness he had, or basically, has been sapped. He he's just he looks like James Jones, except that Aaron Rodgers isn't throwing him the ball right now, and you know Eli Manning is, and he's not even throwing it to him. So uh, you know because Aaron Rodgers is zipping in there, even if somebody's on James Jones because he trusts him so much right now. Eli does, never has developed that kind of trust with Ruben Randall, and Really, except for the last three games or so of last year, the Giants, in my opinion, really haven't used Ruben Randall to what it, his strength is to go up in the air and make plays, and get you know to throw it downfield and let him go up and and sort of you know use his body, use his frame to make plays, and they just haven't done that. They didn't do it again yesterday. They didn't do it in the opener. It, it makes him sort of invisible. I mean, maybe the offense isn't best suited for him, but. Uh, you gotta look. They're short on outside weapons right now. It's Odell Beckham and nobody else, like you said. And they need Ruben Randall. They need to get something out of him. And uh, Eli Manning said that, you know, in his Monday press uh, what was it, a conference call. So I would expect them to actually make a concerted effort early in the game on Thursday night to try and get Ruben Randall into it. I don't know what he can do. I mean, still. He's not a guy who's ever going to basically get anything after the catch, which is another problem. But still need to get something out of him. They do. And right now, James, the only other guy that's making an impact in the receiving game is Shane Vereen, who on a team that has you know had few bright spots yeah. so far, I mean, obviously, just you could just see how much of an impact Vereen is having um, immediately. I mean, he just got here. It's his second game. Eight catches, 76 yards. I mean, he, you, they, I mean they, you're talking about indispensable. They need him right now to move the football. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, before the season started, you know, they did a Sunday night football teleconference, and one of the things Chris Collinsworth said was Shane Vereen's a guy who can help an offense out in the sense that you know things aren't going well, and all of a sudden he catches a short pass and he takes it for 12 yards, and all of a sudden you got a first down. The quarterback starts feeling good. Um, yeah, I think Vereen has definitely emerged as a, as the weapon the Giants envision him being. Um, but the problem is, you, you know, he's also not the this great runner where you could just throw him back there on every play. And he's not, yes. He, he's averaging 3.7 yards a carry. That blah, you know. Well, I mean, you know, and as I say, he played 38 snaps, which was more snaps than Jennings and Williams combined. But Pro Football Focus broke it down. Only nine of those snaps came on running downs. Um, and then back to the target thing. Yeah, you know, I understand there's a little bit different than Beckham because obviously the Falcons probably adjusted to Vereen in the second half. He had seven targets, seven catches in the first half, one target, one catch in the second half. Which obviously... Yeah, they, they, also obviously were trying, they were also trying to eat away at the clock, so that makes yeah. him less... You know, he's less of a factor when you're doing that. He's much more of a factor when you're going back there and passing on every play. So, if, you know, you're a Giant fan out there right now, the people listening to this podcast, Giants fans who watch the first two games, and I mean, are you? do you walk away, do you suggest walking away looking... Like this team improved a little bit. I mean, the results are the same. But as far as each game here, I mean, I thought in the press conference after the game, and then I didn't hear Tom as much on um, if he spoke at all on Monday, but I know on Sunday I heard Tom speak. And it felt like Tom Coughlin was, was trying to say they improved a little bit off of what they did last Sunday night in Dallas. I mean, what did you sense with the mood with the Giants, specifically Tom Coughlin, that that they're just trying to build this thing up, and they saw some positives, even though they lost again in excruciating fashion. I mean, what about that? I mean, was there any improvement overall week one to two? Take out the result for a second here and just 
football-wise, one minute one through 55, I guess, improvement, or is it just the same thing again? Jordan? For me, it was much of the same if you think about it. I mean, the only difference was that Odell Beckham was just a beast in the first half, which I think you can expect pretty much moving forward. But, you know, their defense was leaky. Uh, they didn't make the same impact plays they did last game, but the defense was pretty much the same the whole game. And then the same ending, uh, they let the Falcons go up and down the field. Fortunately, the Falcons actually uh, had a lot of self-inflicted woes earlier in the game, the fact that they didn't score more points. You know, they were dropping passes. Matt Ryan threw the ball at the feet of open receivers, you know, short passes too a couple times. So, uh, you know, the defense was much of the same. The offense showed, a little, showed out a little bit more. Uh, but still, they only scored 20 points in this game. That's not a great outing. I mean, it's better than the nine they put up in the opener. So I guess the offense did some better things. They still didn't run the ball great. They had, you know, some flashes of running the ball decent, but that's about it. And uh, so I don't see where this great improvement was. Where, so James, can you find a great improvement somewhere? And then no. the, end, the whole end game, yeah, sure. They didn't botch the end of the game as royally as they did the week before. If that's what you're going to look at as improvement, then sure. No, you know, actually, you know, fans might like this. I'm actually going to go to a quote Preston Parker had after the game to sum up where I think the Giants are. You know, someone asked him, do, do you think this was a good sign that, again, you guys were very close to winning and then, you know, of course, blew it. And he said, you know, week one against Dallas, that was a good sign that they were, you know, they could compete. But now it's you just know, That was a road good. game, too, remember. That was a road game as well. But now it's just not good enough. I think it was a road game. I think it was a road game against a better team. Yes. And now this is a, a playing in their home opener on top of that. Again, and this week was against a lesser team at the Giants' home, and the fact that Atlanta was on a short week. I mean, I I think that that reflects even worse on the Giants in, in yeah. the big picture. I mean, the defense got a little bit more pressure on the quarterback and. You know, obviously Odell was his usual brilliant self in the first half, but I, yeah, but I think, I think the pre the pressure I think was because yeah they're playing a lesser team. The Cowboys yeah. are a better offensive line, a better team. Uh, you know their their system, just the, the way they were getting the ball out quickly. Yeah, you know that was just perfect for them against the Giants. But uh, you know the the pre you know, the defense did get more pressure. So if that's you know there is a positive there. You mentioned the pressure from the defense. They did get to Matt Ryan once on a sack. It was more pressure. I mean, that's not all, only about sacks, but they got to Ryan once. He dropped back 46 times. Romo in week one dropped back 45 times. They didn't get to him once. I mean, you could see Steve Spagnuolo is bringing blitzes, trying to bring more pressure. He's bringing the safeties a bunch uh, in different blitz packages on Sunday against the Falcons. But when they don't get there, I mean, just like any team that blitzes, there's a problem. And, I mean, you could just see... They can't get there with their four-down linemen. I mean, do you expect Spagnolo to continue to try to blitz to tr generate pressure? Because 91 dropbacks by two good quarterbacks, they've had one sack so far on the season, James. Yeah, I, I think you can expect Spagnolo to do everything and he, he can come up with to try to get more heat on the quarterback. Because, you know, for the second straight week, you know, the, the Giants kind of got dinked and dunked on a lot and, and, and ate him up. So I, I think you can see more blitzes. But as Jordan said, I think they, they definitely, the Cowboys are the gold standard for offensive lines in the league right now, and as they move on, you might see them get, have a little bit more success and maybe not have to blitz as much because they're playing lesser teams. Yeah, they actually got two sacks. They got Ayers and yeah. Cullen Jenkins, so they got, they got two out of it.
but they got eight quarterback hits, so it's not like they really, you know, they really actually got pressure. I know the sack number is going to blow you away, but eight quarterback hits is, is a pretty big number. Uh, you know, created there were open guys. I mean, that's part of what I was talking about before is that the Falcons weren't able to complete some really open plays that they they kind of designed. And that was strictly because the Giants were getting in and Matt Ryan and forcing him to maybe throw it a little early, throwing it with pressure, or even taking a hit while he was throwing the ball. So uh, the pressure was better, but that's how Spags plays. He's going to bring the blitz, and that's just the way it's going to be. Uh, the problem, I think, with some of these blitzes, I'm going to get into this a little more probably as the week goes on, is there's some young players on this Giants defense. Uh, and you kind of see... Watch that play to Julio Jones, the key 37-yard play where he's down at the one-yard line. You see, I mean, Tremaine McBride's not a young player, but this is sort of indicative of what I've seen a bunch of, and Spags even noted this after the opener. You see the Giants kind of getting, losing the game at the line of scrimmage defensively, and I think this is where John Beeson could come in handy. They're showing their cards a little early, and the quarterbacks are able to see where these blitzes are coming from. I saw Landon Collins do it a couple times, sort of expose where he's coming from. Uh, I saw Tremaine McBride do it on the, the the biggest, you know, pretty much the game-winning play to Julio Jones. Uh, so you you see it from the secondary bunch. Uh, you've seen it from Wani Unga. He's show, he's you know showing his cards too early, maybe falling for the hard counts. This is a little game within the game that the Giants are losing right now, and those little things come back to bite you, especially when you're playing such tight games. And uh, it did look. If you watch that play to Julio Jones, Tremaine McBride starts coming a little bit early off the edge, starts inching in like almost to a linebacker spot before Matt Ryan even snapped the ball. So Matt Ryan then knows that he's coming with the blitz. He knows that the safety over there, Brandon Merriweather, is going to have to step up and cover that slot receiver that leaves Julio Jones there on the left side one-on-one and then being a single high safety at best on the play. So, you know, he takes his three-step drop, and look how quickly he gets rid of the ball. One, two, three, boom. Three steps, drop back, boom, ball's in the air. Julio Jones, he, know, he figures one-on-one, let him go out there, get it. And I think you could throw the ball pretty much anywhere on the field, and Julio Jones is going to get it right now. It feels like that. 13 catches yesterday, and uh, the game within the game you mentioned there, I mean... Let me just say, that one catch he made over Brandon Merriweather's oh, head... Oh, he was trying to knock down the interception, and he caught it? It was just disgusting. I mean, that's just... That's just sickeningly, sickeningly good. That was an amazing catch. Uh, you got to just you sit there and you go, wow, that was a catch. You just tip your cap to that. That was an amazing play, and he is right now. Even an interception. And he, was, I, I thought when he was flying in there, Jordan, he was just trying to knock it away from being an interception, and all of a sudden he catches it. Yeah, it was a, that was just an amazing play. It was pretty spectacular. So, guys, before we preview and, and kind of talk about this Redskins game a bit, which is coming up quickly, it'll be on Thursday night, uh, so there's a few days the Giants have to get ready for this one. Jordan, a couple minutes ago you mentioned game within the game, leadership, and you mentioned John Beeson's name. And I look at the issues the Giants have on defense, which is probably going to be apparent all season no matter what, and then offensively we talked about how no receivers are doing anything besides Odell Beckham. How much of a difference, if, and it's a big if, and when, can Cruz and Beeson make for this football team? I mean, they've lost two games here by very thin margins. If they have those two guys, are we having a different conversation about the 2015 Giants? Let's go to James first. Hmm. 
just for the first, do I if so if Beeson and Cruz have played in these first two games? Yeah. Do you think we're having a different conversation about this Giants team if those two guys have been out there the first two weeks? I uh, maybe my, my guess would be I think if if Cruz was a hundred percent on the field for the past two weeks, I think the Giants probably win yesterday just because he might just to start off he might come up with that pass that Preston Parker dropped on fourth down at the end and it was you mean, a he might pass. be able to catch the football James is that he might be as simple as that once in a while he might be able to catch the football that is thrown to him and hits his hands you know but uh, but I do think that Cruz may have given the Giants a little bit like for instance maybe Beckham doesn't disappear in the second half if Cruz is on the field and they're able to continue you know going to him. Um, but Beeson, I think he would be more settled and, and more confident in the, in the defense than Unga is. I don't think, I think Unga's played relatively well, you know, given that it's first two games in the league have been starts. Um, but I don't yeah, think... Yeah, he's, he's, he's not great against the pass, but I mean, this no. is a guy, like we said, it's his first two starts. I mean, we didn't expect him to come in and light it up. So I... I could I see the Giants being one and one if both of them had played? Yes, but I don't think we'd be sitting here calling the Giants a Super Bowl contender if those two guys were on the field. Sure, if they were both completely healthy, but we're so far from that right now, and it's just like you know, it, it's just a pipe dream. We're just working with total hypotheticals when we say, oh yeah, if they were 100% with Victor Cruz, we don't know what 100% is from Victor Cruz yet. Yeah, we don't, even know, we don't even know what that is. No, this is a guy who hasn't played since last October. He tore the you know, the patella tendon in his right knee, and now he has another se separate problem. So I, I don't even know what Victor Cruz is going to be. It's hard for me to guess. I, don't, I think it's hard for anyone to know what Victor Cruz is going to be. You sure hope he could come back and be anywhere near the same player, but I don't, honestly, I don't think anybody knows that for sure. It's impossible to know. So we don't even know what Victor Cruz is. John Beeson also, 30 years old, uh, a lot of injuries over these last couple of years. I think just him being in the huddle would have helped this team. They can help them get aligned, help maybe with these late game situations. I think that would have, I think that alone would have been the biggest impact in these last two games is that the fact that John Beeson would have been in that huddle. And look, he could still help you, but he's not a huge upgrade from Wanyunga against the pass either. But he's an upgrade in regards to the fact that he knows where he needs to be and he knows where he needs to get guys to be to make plays. All right, so we have a quick turnaround here. Giants, Redskins, Thursday night football. Another NFC East game will be the Giants' second one of the season. This game is at home. Uh, the Redskins look to be one of the league's worst teams before the season started. They got beat at home in their first game, came back and beat the Rams on Sunday to go to 1-1, one one, which in the second NFC East. Second place Redskins. That's right. It's good enough for second place. Um, thoughts on this game coming in? Cousins is obviously the quarterback. I think the Redskins have run the ball pretty well. Their defense maybe isn't that bad. Maybe it's not as a, a pushover as some people thought. Thoughts on the Redskins, on what we know about them. Uh, we'll start with James. This matchup here Thursday night, which, as we've been saying the whole show here, uh, is it, I guess must win is an understatement for the Giants. Yeah, I mean, one of the first things that jumps out to me is the fact that I believe they've had two different running backs in the past two weeks rush for 100 yards. Um, yep. And the, the Giants... I don't think I've had a running back break 60 yards this season. I think Jennings had about 53 against Dallas. Um, they're going to have to stop the run, um, and I think that they're going to have to make Kirk Cousins beat them. And you know that's obviously that's kind of a you know captain obvious statement, but you know Kirk Cousins is a guy who's had some ups and downs in his career. He's had some bad games, and he's had some games where he's known for 300 yards. 
So I think they have to find a way to uh, stop that run game, make Cousins beat them, and then the, the offense has to get its act together. And if they have a chance to slam the door shut in the third quarter, they need to do it. It's going to be a little harder, though. The Redskins have the league's number one ranked defense. Wow. Uh, yeah, they're allowing 234 yards a game, only 70 against a run. So the Giants, who have not run the ball well, are going to have a lot of trouble running the ball uh, against this team. But So it's going to be on – who you know who it's going to be on again? This game is going to be on the shoulders of Eli Manning and Odell Beckham, and they're going to have to do stuff through the air with that passing attack in order to beat this Redskins team. I think that that's – and you know what? That's what the Giants, that's the way they're built right now. They're built where this team is going to be. Uh, their success is contingent on the fact of how well they're able to pass the ball, how well they're able to scheme guys open and make plays. So uh, the Redskins, they're going to run the ball. They're going to stop the run. And we'll see if the Giants' offense can get enough points on the board. I think that's what it's going to come down to on Thursday night. And if they don't, you know, sound the alarms because – uh, it's over for this. This run is over for this, this Giants team. Uh, the Eli Tom Coughlin era, if they're 0-3 at this point, it, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a rough season, and uh, the future is going to be that this team needs to really reassess and, and blow it all up. Thursday night could be one of those games where uh, a lot of the future of the franchise hinges on do they give you a season or do you start thinking about those things Jordan just said there, guys. Uh, always appreciate you coming on. Always appreciate doing the podcast here. Thank you, everyone that listened. Uh, James and Jordan, have a good week, and we'll do this again soon, and uh, we get ready for another game on Thursday night. James, One thanks, of these man. days, Joe, we're going to do it after a victory. You would think eventually that would have to happen. So far, though, it... Our first ever podcast after a victory. Did, did, the pod, did podcasts exist when the Lions went 0-16? <laughs> they were new then. I actually, you, you know, that, that might have been like the first year of podcasts. Because those guys probably said the same thing. <laughs> I don't know. The Can Giants we do a goddamn podcast after a victory? Come on. The Giants will win a football game this year. I guarantee it. The guarantee there from oh, James. Oh, James throws in a guarantee at the end of the, the podcast. Good job, James. No well, James, when this team is 0-3 on Friday, you're going to start sweating that one out. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank everyone. Thank you for listening to episode 24 of Talk is Cheap. You can follow us on Twitter at Jordan, R-A-A-N-A-N, at James Cratch, at Joe Gilio Sports. Find this show on iTunes and on Stitcher. Be sure to also leave a rating for us. If you like the show, leave a rating on iTunes. It helps the show out more than you can even imagine. So this has been episode 24. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll talk to you again next week right here on Talk is Cheap. <laughs>